Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar. Chapter 3. Cherry, Hayes, and Emily took a long lunch since there weren't any active cases. Hayes went to the gym, Emily went home and watched television, and Cherry took a nap to catch up with the sleep she missed. By the time the three rolled back to the office, it was almost four in the afternoon. Why did we even come back? Emily asked to the group out loud. We should have just stayed home. They worked a weird schedule considering they spent a lot of time casing people and nights spent in shadows and covers. At the same time, they tried to hold ordinary office hours. But if there's no case, there's no point working hard or really being in the office at all. I think we came back to the office because we had nothing else to do, Hayes figured, messing with music maker GarageBand on his work computer. Actually, I do have a case, Claire St. Montgomery called from the doorway. I'm currently having a meeting with an important client, and I'd like the three of you to join me. An important client? Emily's eyebrows were so high that they were almost off her head. We don't have important clients around here. The last important client we had was the owner of a plumbing service, and even then, calling him VIP was a stretch. Exactly. So this is a big deal, and I'd love to have you enter my office. Claire turned to her office, and the three detectives followed. Claire's sunroom office was cozy and was able to seat four in front of Claire's desk. Sitting in one of the four chairs was an older man who had a curled mustache, white as cocaine hair, and a fancy suit. He definitely gave off the air of an important client. He looked like the type of man who probably would have thrived in the Roaring Twenties and probably had similar ideology to the men of that time as well. This is Sir Charles Lamont Wellington Worthington Twelfth. Claire introduced, as Cherry, Emily, and Hayes each shook the man's hand. Sir Charles Lamont Wellington Worthington Twelfth. this is Cherry, Emily, and Hayes, my three detectives on staff. Call me Sir Charles. Oh, it's quite the party in here. I feel like I'm back at the Bunny Mansion. Sir Charles chuckled at his own joke, and since he was an important client, the room put on their best fake laughs. I actually interned there for a summer, Cherry cooed. Interned? What happened? Did you sleep with someone and get fired? Emily asked. Sir Charles, here has a problem, Claire informed the staff. And the more we talked about Sir Charles's problem, the more I realized that we will need all four of this company's detectives to handle it. Wow, what's the case? Cherry gasped. The last time all four of us worked a case, it was when we spied on that corporation that was dumping pollution into Lake Erie which was really tough to do considering Lake Erie's a goddamn mess in the first place. Not true, the four of us did work that case at KFC last week, Hayes pointed out, although that case had been for lunch. Let's have Sir Charles tell you what the problem is. I believe someone in my family is trying to kill me, Sir Charles muttered. One of the Wellington Worthingtons is trying to end my life and inherit my money. Oh my, Hayes whispered. But don't you have a will? So why would they kill you? It would be a waste if they kill you and you're only giving your murderer like a toaster. Well, there's two reasons, Sir Charles countered. Everyone in the family will be receiving at least $50,000. I know plenty of people who would kill me over $5, let alone 50000 Cherry chuckled. Weird, you're usually the one taking the money from them at the end of the night, Emily said quietly. And what's the second reason? Hayes asked, writing things down in a notebook. I just turned 80, Sir Charles explained. And during my physical, my doctor said I definitely have another 20 years, maybe 30 years left, if I play my cards right. He thinks it's my diet metabolism. 
It's probably because you're rich, Emily mused. Ever since I told my family the good news at the doctor's office, things have been, well, a bit eerily deadly, Sir Charles continued. Last month I almost tripped on a slippery staircase. Two weeks ago I almost fell in the shower due to some spilled shampoo. And yesterday, well, I almost choked to death on a scone. These are... Well, these all feel, well, ordinary situations that could be deadly for old people. Hayes' voice had went up an entire octave. Normally, yes, but here's the thing. We wax the staircases of the house on one day a year, which happens four months from now. The shampoo I slipped on in the tub was not my shampoo, and the scone I almost choked on. Well, that might have been an accident, but they were difficultly hard to eat and I can't help but feel like scones were purposely there for me to choke on. Well, another angle I was pointing out, that perhaps someone wants to kill Sir Charles out of anger rather than financial gain, Claire added. Sure, the money might be a good bonus point, but Sir Charles might have an enemy out there who wants him gone. I'm too rich and nice and smart to have enemies, Sir Charles said in a way that screamed, get a load of this douchebag. I think we should keep the option that someone might be killing you because they don't like you. Hayes said, with a Chrissy Teigen grimace on his face. Do you have any suspects in particular? Emily dryly asked. Was anyone at all three scenes? Everyone's a suspect, Charles muttered. My mansion, Watershed Manor, is open to all of my family. Damn, you must be rich if your house has a fancy name like that, Jerry whistled. So how do we come into play? Hayes turned to Claire. We don't have any suspects, and it's a lot of loose theory. Well, I did come up with the idea that Sir Charles seemed to be a fan of, Claire explained to the room. Sir Charles is going to host a family reunion this weekend, very impromptu and casual. It will have all the members of his local family. Then the four of us are going to fly in to Watershed Manor this weekend as distant cousins. We'll use that opportunity as undercover cousins to case the house, talk to Charles' relatives, and investigate accordingly. So we're going to spend all weekend at the Wellington Worthington Manor? Cherry gasped. It sounds so good. Is there a pool? It's not a getaway vacation, Emily corrected. We'll be working the whole time. There is a pool, my dear, and I hope to see you in a two-piece of that pool sometime, Sir Charles winked, which sent loads of unsexual energy throughout the house. I gave Claire all the notes, pictures, and details she needs about my intimate family. Claire assured me she would work next on creating false backgrounds on you four. I suppose we could pass for cousins, but we all kind of look not related, Hayes said, eyeing the three girls who gave him a shut up and don't ruin this for us look. How do we know it's a family member? Emily added. Is it possibly someone outside of the family? After the shampoo incident, I temporarily furloughed my staff, Sir Charles said, using words that only a snob would use. And yet still the attacks have continued. It must be a family member at this point. Well, we are on the case, Cherry said with a grin the size of a rural Kansas land plot. Perfect. So Charles looked around the room before shuffling out. I'm counting on you guys to save my life and to find which family member will be written out of my will completely. The four investigators remained quiet until they heard Sir Charles bid adieu to Secretary Barbara and open the front door. Listen, this case will be a huge windfall for us in the company. Claire explained to Cherry, Hayes, and Emily in the way that a parent to three rambunctious kids would. He's going to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on us, which means I can pay you a thousand-ish each? Hmm, I don't love how that math works out, 
Emily responded without emotion, even though that was over two months' rent and one weekend case. I'll get the math figured out, but for now, we need to start getting ready for Friday. Knowing this group, maybe we should just use our real names, Emily argued. How in the hell will Cherry remember her own fake name and identity? I'll have you know, Emily, that I'm known for my memory skills. Cherry, sexual memory doesn't count here. Stop the bickering, Claire said to the room at large. We have three days to get ready before the family reunion. I think Cherry can remember her fake name by then. Okay, let's get to work, Hayes cheered, flipping to another page in his notebook. I want my new name to be something sexy. Well, I'm glad you're going for the complete opposite of your real personality. Emily rolled her eyes. Chapter 4 With Chinese takeout ordered and delivered, Cherry, Emily, Hayes, and Claire were in for the long haul that night. They were going to devise and confirm their backstories as cousins to the Wellington Worthingtons, and then spend the rest of the week memorizing their undercover characters as well as preparing their ensembles and styles for their undercover characters. Is there anything else you need from me? Barbara Watchers asked at 5.58. She was the kind of employee who was out the door the second the clock ran 6 p.m. Especially with her work duties, Barbara wasn't the type of employee who needed to stay late anyway. Any ordinary person whose job could be replaced by a proper telephone and a Google calendar would be apt to leave when the workday was over. Barbara Watchers was counting down the seconds till she was going to retire, and in the process, didn't seem to mind if she was fired. We're all set. Thanks for your hard work. Claire said with a smile as Waters waddled to the door. Had Claire asked for something minuscule, Barbara would begrudgingly follow through. Had Claire asked for something important, Barbara probably would have said something to the effect of, I can handle that tomorrow at 10. Okay, I think I have my story, Hayes said with a giant grin, as if he was about to reinvent the concept of sliced bread. My name is Harry Wellington. I'm from Oregon, where I work in finance. I was once engaged to a hot chick named Andrea, but she quit and moved to the Andes. A hot chick named Andrea? Cherry snorted. That story sounds bogus. I personally realize that you're a narc. Well, fine, Annie. Again, not a hot name. A hot chick whose name I'll figure out later, Hayes steamrolled, clearly bent on fictionally having a hot wife. I have a master's in finance administration. I like to play beach volleyball in the summers and ski in the winters. I'm a third cousin. And I recently talked to Sir Charles for him to overlook my resume and stock portfolio. I like it. It's very opulent. Claire nodded. I'm still working on a name, but I'm thinking something like Brie. Like the cheese? Emily's nose pinched for a second, as if someone presented her with Brie at the moment. No. How about Rosamund? What are you, a character from The Little House on the Prairie? All right. Claire was getting frustrated with Emily's continual poking. How do we feel about Daphne? From the Scooby-Doo gang? Can any name scream I'm a private investigator more than Daphne? Fine, Emily, I'll keep working on it. Claire rolled her eyes and trudged forward. I work in Salt Lake City at their art museum. You better check to make sure that Salt Lake City has an art museum, Hayes pointed out. Why wouldn't they have an art museum? Well, it is in Utah, after all. Hayes grimaced, and the room nodded softly by that. A quick Google search discovered Salt Lake City did have an art museum, and so Claire trudged on again. I work in missions and marketing. I love art. Everything from Monet to Rockefeller. I live art. I have a husband. No kids. We want kids, but we think it's a little too late. It's definitely too late, Cherry snorted, which got a glare from Claire. 
I mean, you're going to be honest about your age, right? If you dock it down below 40, people are going to be suspicious. Emily and Hayes agreed, although Claire did not comment on the matter. I'm a fourth cousin to the Wellington family. Sir Charles reached out to me for acquisitions on an art piece he was going to buy. Why would he come to you? Emily butted in once again. Don't you do admissions and marketing? You guys didn't poke holes at Hayes' story. Claire gasped, as if they were poking holes in Claire's looks or personalities. We did. He had terrible names for that supposed hot wife of his, Cherry countered. Hot people have creative names, like me, Cherry. Yikes, someone thinks they're hot all of a sudden, Emily sassed. Well, let's hear Emily's undercover character, since she's so good at this, Claire snapped, and Emily obliged. I'm Leanne Wellington, fifth cousin, and I work as a librarian in Tulsa. I like cats. I'm quiet. My parents, Jeremy and Sasha Wellington, want me to find a nice guy to marry, but I'd rather continue growing succulents in my bathroom. That sounds perfect, Hayes nodded. Then again, that sounds kind of like you. Except the real Emily can't get a library job because you have to know someone to be hired. Who would have thought that the place of learning would heavily rely on forms of nepotism and mere human connection? And I value myself because I don't network. That leaves Cherry. Claire turned to face the sensual one of the staff. Well, I'll be playing Viv Worthington from Tallahassee, Florida. I'm a third cousin to Sir Charles. I moved out to L.A. to be an actress and a model. And while it's not going well, I have high hopes. That would be hard to check because everyone in L.A. is an actress and model, Emily realized. Good cover, Cherry. I love going out, meeting guys, and having fun. Add taking guys home and you'd have Cherry in disguise, Hayes giggled on the sidelines. Unless this whole time you've wanted to be an actor? I'm already an actor, Cherry winked to the room. Is that because she starred in pornos? Emily guessed. All right, let's continue pounding these alter egos. Claire wrapped up their session, and tomorrow we can go shopping. Shopping? My closet's already full of high-end clothes. I'm already set, Cherry bragged to the room. Some of you, yeah, you might have to go to the store. Some of us don't have sugar daddies at our disposal, Emily said with her arms crossed. Relax, these men are just donating to the needy. How are you the needy, Cherry? Hayes demanded to know. You've seen our salary, Cherry coughed. We're so needy that even food stamps see our income and says, damn, take whatever you want from the grocery store. It was about 10 o'clock when they finished for the day. And to celebrate their progress and an incoming windfall, Cherry, Emily, and Hayes went down the block to the corner bar and grill called Sylvia's. Sure, they had just had some Chinese, but that had been more like lunch anyway. Sylvia's was a feminist-themed bar, which meant the walls were decorated with empowering women and quotes, while signature drinks and dishes were named after iconic female women, events, and things. I'll take the no bra burger, Emily sighed to the bartender, upset with herself that she'd say no bra burger out loud in public. I don't like how the lettuce wrap burger is called no bra. It's weird. And then can I get a... Skinny because I want to, not because society told me to, Margarita. I'll take the My Body, My Choice fries, Cherry said to the waiter, and a vodka water with three limes. Oh, so he watched my figure vodka? The bartender asked. Yep, Cherry nodded. Although I don't have to watch my figure, other people watch it for me. Yeah, then they watch you squeeze into pants that are four sizes too small, Emily chuckled to herself. I'll take an each vagina is different patty melt, Hayes ordered. 
And instead of the freedom fries, can I do the Maya Angelou cheese side salad? Is this place ran by a man? Emily asked the bartender, who nodded affirmatively. Of course it is. Only a man would want to make money off the promotion of women. Only a man would take advantage of feminists by making products off of them. Only a man would think calling the salmon dish the salmon monologues is appropriate. Eh, we come to Sylvia's because it's the corner bar down from the office, Cherry interjected. And they have good food. We would have to walk five blocks to the next place with drinks and food, and it's not even that good. Oh yeah, we definitely don't want to eat at Sanders' place. Hayes shook his head. I definitely saw something skittering behind the bar once. Yeah, I went on a few dates with the bartender there. I thought he was skittering too. The bartender who took their order soon brought their drinks and went on to help others. While scouting the bar for meat, the man kind, not the meal kind, Jerry focused her radar to the second bartender and gasped. Oh my gosh, when did he start working here? Jerry demanded of Hayes and Emily. Who? Emily looked around slowly, as if she was an old sprinkler that wasn't able to twist its head fully around. It's one of the big four, Jerry snapped. Behind the bar. Jerry Santiago could describe most of her personal love life as her being the heartbreaker, but on rare occasion, she had been the heartbroken. Jerry had managed to swoon and land most of the prey she had set her eyes to. But there was the big four. Four men who Cherry had hit on and flirted with over the years who remained unaffected to Cherry's charm. There had been no romantic dates, no heavy flirting, no sexual activity, nothing with the big four. They were immune to Cherry, and like a virus, Cherry was eager to get them. However, they seemed to have Cherry friend-zoned and sequestered. There was a fifth man that was sort of the king to the big four. That was the one that got away. But he was a true man who Cherry had loved completely, unlike the big four or her ex-husbands. Which one is that? Hayes asked with wide eyes as he glanced at the bartender. That definitely doesn't look like the teacher, the psychologist. That's the one who works at the zoo, Cherry said with wonder. It's Charlie Berkman. Well, this place does look like a zoo, and I'm sure some of these guys are animals, Emily spat, but I don't get why he's working here. Cherry Santiago, how are you? Charlie cried out, making his way towards the three investigators. I'm great. Why are you here? My butt owns the place, so he needs help once in a while. Charlie chuckled. He doesn't pay me hourly. I just get the tips. <laughs> Same policy here. No hourly, just tips. Cherry said with a sly wink. Most men would have taken Charlie's words and realized they probably had a large shot at Cherry. But like a typical member of the big four, Charlie just laughed at Cherry's sensual joke. You're so silly, Cherry. Now tell me, who are your two friends? Emily and Hayes, they work with me over at the firm. Oh, it's great to meet you. Charlie shook hands with the two. Can I be forward with you? Emily asked Charlie, to which Cherry turned her neck like a puppet. Cherry's smile read, you better not be forward. Absolutely, please. Charlie smiled. This place is incredibly sexist for a feminist bar, Emily explained. I should know. I studied women and gender studies. Here she goes bragging about that degree in women and gender studies. Cherry tried to rally, but Charlie was engrossed with Emily's point. I agree with you. It reinforces stereotypes about what it means to be a woman. And the experience of being a woman cannot be watered down to a single bar or be summarized by food and drink titles. Exactly. 
Emily's eyes were lit with fire. Cherry was not happy that one of the big four was suddenly honing in on Emily. Cherry's eyes were slit like a lion watching gazelles meet together at the pond. I'd love to talk some more, but I see we have a group settling down at the other end of the bar. I'll chat with you soon, Emily. Big Four member Charlie slid down the bar while a wide smile slid across Emily's face. Cherry's face was in shock, perhaps because even Cherry couldn't deny that there had been some intrigue between the two. Perhaps Cherry couldn't believe that Charlie had left without saying goodbye to her. You are not allowed to talk to him. Cherry whispered before slowly raising her voice to a growl. You can talk to any of the hundred other men I've dated, but not one of the big four. Only a hundred other men you've dated? Hayes smiled while sipping his drink. That seems a thousand low. Cherry, if I wasn't allowed to date people you once went out on a date with or had sex with, there would be no one left in the dating pool besides a few boys who just turned legal. Emily snapped. Furthermore, most of the men you go on dates with are trashy and unrespectable. Besides, Charlie's not into you. I don't care that he's not into me. I just want him to be into me for like two seconds and then I can turn him down. That makes no sense. Hayes cocked his way to think about it. Actually, it kind of does in a psychopathic way. Some guys just don't like bimbos, Emily said factually before sipping her drink. By the way, this skinny because I want to, not because society told me to, Margarita, is great. The name still sucks, though. I am not a bimbo. I'm much more smart than that, Cherry barked. I was the 21st smartest person in my high school graduation class. Didn't your graduation class have 21 students and a dog that they considered an actual student? If you talk to him, Emily, you will lose me as a friend. Well, I guess that's not much of a threat. Cherry, are you going to be that strict? Hayes said with raised eyebrows. I'll be more strict than how I was with my last boyfriend when it could come to places that he could cut. I'm going to stop that liner for the sake of everyone. Hayes cried out, looking a little queasy. I'll be honest, I don't talk to many men. Emily informed her colleagues, almost finished with her first margarita. Mainly because a good chunk of men are married, gay, or married gay guys, and then another large chunk of men are really nothing more than boys with beards. As a current man, who was once a boy with a beard, I take offense to that. Hayes mocked. Please, Emily, anyone but one of my big four. How about this? Emily said with a coy smile. I won't start anything between him and I, but if he approaches and talks to me, I'm allowed to reciprocate. Huh, I'll go with it, Cherry smiled. He looks busy, and there's a lot of single-looking ladies tonight. I'll take you up on that bet. Big four Charlie went out of his way to talk to Emily six more times that night. Six was also the magic number for how many drinks Cherry had which certainly correlated with Emily and Big Four Charlie. Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar.